This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The Green Hornet is an American radio adventure series that debuted in 1936 and introduced the character of the Green Hornet, a masked vigilante. Tonight's episode is entitled The Devil's Playground. The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies that even the G-men cannot reach. The Green Hornet. The Devil's Playground. The events and characters depicted in this drama are fictitious. Any similarity to actual persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. Some mob, isn't it, Casey? Look at the crowds around all the different stands. There's the wax museum and a shooting gallery. Was it always so crowded here, Lowry? Sure, all season. People come down here to go swimming on the beach, and they wander around evenings, taking in all the excitement. Hey, don't tell me you've never been here before. First time. Cross my heart. <laughs> I was meant to, but after leaving the newspaper, well, you know how it is. Well, even us newspaper hounds get a day off once in a while. Anyhow, Mr. Reed suggested I come out here with you, so here we are. Yep, with orders to see how all these carnival concessions are going. But why did Mr. Reed want me to go? I'm a secretary, not a reporter. So we'd look like the rest of them. Couple out for a good time. <laughs> Mr. Lowry. <laughs> oh, here's the roller coaster, Casey. What do you think of it? It's awfully high, isn't it? The devil's that 
How about a brother? You and the lady friend? Carl living right now. I'd like to try it, Casey? No, thanks. Not me, Lowry. Why not? Sure, lady. There ain't nothing to worry about. It doesn't look safe. Why, every time a car goes around that curve there, the whole support seems to shake. That's the way it's built, lady. Vibration can't have it rigid. Yes, but so much. Safe is the ground you stand on, lady. Absolutely safe. Come on, get aboard. The devil's dipper. Two tickets, brother. Well, the lady says no. I guess you'll lose a sail. Come on, Lowry. Let's see what's further along. Okay. Come on, tonight, the devil's dipper, folks. What's the matter with you, Casey? Now, don't you start calling me a baby because I didn't want to ride that roller coaster. Well, the only way for us to get any dope for a feature story is to ride those things. You're the one that writes the stories, not me. Besides, it did shake a lot. I didn't notice it. Yeah, but forget it, Casey. There are plenty of people who don't go for roller coasters. How about a hot dog? Okay, thanks. There's a stand right over there. Gosh, did you see that roller coaster go past? Yeah, they screech around those turns like nobody's business. Come on. Hey, what's that? It sounded like a... It was that roller coaster. See it back there at the bottom of that dip? It's sort of dark. This fence, I can't see over it. I can. Looks like the cars jumped the rails. Anyone hurt? I can't tell from here. Come on, back to the entrance. An accident! Accident! It's a roller coaster! Stand back there, folks. Don't crowd around. We ain't let nobody in here. Gangway, coming through here. Stop jumping, will you? Can you see it? Out here, let nobody in. I'm right behind you, Lowry. Hey, where do you think you're going? Inside to see that accident. Sorry, brother. Nobody gets past this gate. But people might be hurt. Now, a little jar in that's all. Nothing serious. Listen, we're reporters. You can't keep us reporters out. Reporters or whatever you are, nobody goes in. Comes orders, see? Stay here, Casey. I'll go in. What's the row? Easy, does it? Watch this gate and don't let nobody in, officer. Okay. That doesn't go for reporters. Oh, you're a reporter? He's Lowry from the Daily Sentinel. Uh, sure, let me in on this. It might be a story. Well, yes, I guess reporters... He stays it. here. Everyone stays. The Devil's Dipper is private property, you understand? But those people who are riding your roller coaster... There's a doctor in there now, and you can come in as soon as it's okay. Now, there ain't no story in little tools like that. Well, for the... How long are we going to have to wait? Well, I hear different. Now, stand back. Stand back, all of you. Stand back! Dear, Mr. Reed. Ah, there I go. Getting all tangled up again. Golly, the way Casey makes this here typewriter fly and using all ten fingers, too. So nice size again. A new sheet of paper to begin first. Here we are, Casey. The boss is waiting. Oh, hold on, there. No, but you know better than to... What? What's happened to my typewriter? <laughs> yeah, the ribbon's halfway out. And crumpled paper all over the floor. Oh, Axford, what have you been up to? No, take it easy, Casey. Can I help it if your machine is so old and ramshackle is falling apart? You big ape. It was all right until you got at it. I've had to use the sledgehammer. This is big enough. No, no, look here, you two spark I'll things. tell you plenty if Mr. Reed weren't expecting us. Expecting you? He never said nothing to me about it. Why should he? Because I'm his bodyguard, that's why. And, and furthermore, beyond that, I've been told to sit here and keep people out while well, Casey's been gone. Well, you can stop then. I'm back. Well, uh, here now, I'm still on duty. Yes? Miss Case, Mr. Reed, Barry and I are back again. Well, I've been expecting you. Come in, both of you. Hey, hold on that chair, Axford. Mr. Reed doesn't want you. Charlie, I can't understand Miss Reed since I get back. Oh, Laurie, close the door. 
Well, Miss Case, I know you and Lowry ran into a lot of excitement last night. Yes, we did, Mr. Reed. And we've been out all this morning talking to people about it. Maybe she'd rather be a reporter than a secretary, boss. She'd do all right, too. Did you get anything that the Sentinel can use? Boss, we got plenty. You know about the accident last night? Oh, yes, we already had that story in. What I want now is the facts on who's responsible for it. In the bag, Mr. Reed. We got enough to call out the militia and have that roller coaster padlocked. It isn't safe, Mr. Reed. You sure of that? A statement made by the owner after the accident blamed it on a stick that had been lying across the rail. And that's what he said, boss. By the time we got past the cops and took a look, well, they might have fixed things up. What about the safety inspector? That's just it, Mr. Reed. He gave them a clean bill of health on it. Hmm. Why are you so sure it wasn't merely an unfortunate accident? Here's why, boss. These little statements. And were they from some of the injured passengers? No, Mr. Reed. The passengers only knew there was an accident. They didn't know how it happened. Well, I don't These see... statements are from guys who count, boss. Yeah, but I still don't... The guys who built that roller coaster, the contractors. And here's one from one of the roller coaster employees. He worked right there. He knew what went on. We got them this morning. And every one of them sang. Oh, good work. We'll be able to close down that rickety trap immediately. Hello, get me Gunnigan. Shall I do the rewrite on this boy? Yeah, at once. Miss Case. Yes, Mr. Reed. Take this other phone and call the composing room. Tell them to hold the front page. Gunnigan, oh, just a moment. Give me composing Wally, yeah? send Axford in here. Gunnigan, we're starting a campaign against ramshackle amusement concessions. Composing. Hold the front page for a second. Now, that's right. We're going after them hammer and tongs. Here I am, Blitz. What's going on? We have enough for a series, Gunnigan. Now, plenty of proof. No, we won't use names yet. No sense in using all our ammunition at once. Ammunition, is it? Who shot who? Oh, expert, hush up. Certainly name the roller coaster. The Devil's Dipper. It's unsafe. Hammer on it. I'll tell the readers we'll have more later. Miss Case, put these statements in an envelope. Yes, Mr. Reed. Uh, what can I do, Rich? Axford, you're going to do some bodyguarding. Glory be. You read? No, those papers Miss Case has. You're going to see that nothing happens to them. Oh, no, Reed. That ain't no fit kind of a job for, for a he-man like me. I want something important. Well, these papers are plenty important. They're going to make certain that innocent people aren't the victims of another accident like the one that happened last night. Newspapers. How did the Sentinel get the story, Scanlon? Not from me, Durkin. What about that accident? You told me there was a reporter from the Sentinel at the Devil's Dipper when it crashed. Sure, with a Dane, but they didn't get in. I swear it, Durkin. Then how? Oh, no, Durkin. Let's look at the facts calmly. Calm, huh? You're in as deep as I am, Buckley. You're the inspector who okayed my permit on that roller coaster. That's very true. And you got plenty for it. A lot of good it's doing us now. This doesn't answer my question. How did the Sentinel get enough information to be so positive? If you read past the headlines, you'd know. Huh? We ain't had a chance. I have. The Sentinel got that information from the contractor and men who built the roller coasters. What? They have statements from them. Furthermore, they have a statement from one of your own employees, Durkin. Do they say that? Oh, not in so many words. This story in the Sentinel is just the beginning, Durkin. It intimates that unless I, as inspector, close down the Devil's Dipper, they have proof and they intend to publish it. So that's why all those reporters outside are hot on the trail. They think the Sentinel's got an exclusive. The Devil's Dipper will not close. That's what I paid you for, Buckley. Relax, please, Durkin. I have this whole situation well figured out. Yeah? You better have. It's very simple. A few threats will take care of these witnesses the Sentinel talks about. Sure, but they got statements, signed statements. And that's where you come in, Scanlon. Yeah? Get to the point, Buckley. If I remember, Scanlon once did a stretch for safe-cracking. What about it? Simply that I know where those statements are kept. They're being guarded by a man named Axford. He's not very smart. Oh, oh I get it. I swipe them statements before the Sentinel can use them, huh? Precisely. 
As for those reporters out there, Durkin, come along. We'll see them together. What are we going to tell them? Leave that to me. There they are. What about that sentinel yard, Durkin? There's Buckley, the inspector. Are you closing them down? Gentlemen, gentlemen, please. Uh, The sentinel newspaper has not only blackened the reputation of Mr. Durkin, but... Its report has caused him to lose a lot of trade. And he'll lose more than that. Who are you? I'm Lowry. The Sentinel's a paper I work for. Is Durkin closing up or isn't he? No, he is not. What's more, as inspector, I can vouch for him. That accident was caused by a, a stick thrown across the rail by some passerby. Purely unintentional. There'll be a better story than that in the Sentinel tomorrow. Young man, you can tell your employer this. Both Mr. Durkin and I have been libeled. We intend to sue. That's a laugh. Well, we have proof. Then you had better use it. We're suing the Sentinel immediately unless it publishes a retraction. Oh, it's unless, is it? I don't like your tone. Gentlemen, you can notify the editors of your various papers that we are suing the Daily Sentinel. Today, we'll demand a million dollars damage. And gentlemen, you may print this, too. Mr. Durkin and I are going to collect it. Late that evening, Scanlon and an accomplice took up their post near Bitreed's home in the entrance to a dark alley. There they waited until they saw the bulky figure of Mike Axford approaching. There he comes, Monk. See him crossing the street? You mean that big guy, Scanlon? Hey, he ain't gonna be no pushover. We'll handle him. <laughs> Buckley sure was right about that guy being a little bit on the dumb side. All I did was send him a telegram to bring them statements to his boss's place and he falls for it. it looks that way. He's can't envelope. That's them, all right. Couldn't be nothing else. Stay here in the shadows. When I talk to him, you know what to do. It's all set. Pardon me, brother. You had a match? Huh? Golly, that's a fine way to hop out of the dark. And besides, I'm in too much of a hurry to... Now! Oh, you dirty... Again, Mark. This slug's tough. I got the envelope. Run for it. That sounds like... Axford. Good Lord, Mike, what happened? Why are you here? Golly, Britt, uh, I've been ambushed. They nabbed the papers. Somebody must have known you told me to bring them here. What? There was ten of them, Britt, all around me. Hey, tell me this. Mike, I never told you to bring those statements to me. Sure, and I'd have beat them all if they had... What? What was that you said? How long ago did this happen? Golly, they... you must have told me to come here. Here's your telegram. It was only black and white. Ah, Axford, I don't know what's wrong with you. Cato. Yes, Mr. Ben. Get in the other room, Axford, and lie down. You have a bad bruise in your head. It's beyond me. Oh, he mistook the telegram. It's under and That's what it is. Cato, ah. the statements placing the blame for the roller coaster accident are gone, stolen. There's no doubt about who's responsible for that. Mr. Durkin? So that's why Buckley and Durkin were so sure about suing the Daily Sentinel for libel. Without the evidence upon which we based our story, they've got us right where they want us. Very bad, Miss Bitt. There's only one answer. Unless we recover those statements or get new ones from the same witnesses, there's no power on earth that can save us from this libel suit. What's more important, the Devil's Dipper will continue to operate and endanger the lives of hundreds of people. What are you going to do, Mr. Bitt? All the papers. Get every available man out to try and get new statements from those witnesses. If that fails, Cato... Yes? This may be one more job for the Green Hornet. Curtain falls on the first act of our Green Hornet adventure. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a moment. 
continue our story. With the evidence against the Devil's Dipper stolen, Britt Reed sent reporters out in an attempt to get their stories on paper a second time. But the attempt was doomed to fail. So that's where we stand, boss. I went to every one of those witnesses after you phoned here to the paper last night. And none of them would repeat his previous statement? Not a one, boss. Yes? Mr. Buckley is here to see you, Mr. Reed. Buckley? Oh, send him in, Miss Case. And uh, come in yourself. Bring your notebook. Boss, you're baddie. That guy's here with a summons. Shows I'm a foot high. Well, I can't avoid it forever, Lowry. Well, Buckley, you wanted to see me? I didn't expect you'd be so easy to see. Got to the point. I wanted to have the extreme pleasure of serving you with this summons myself. Don't imagine that you surprised me with this. You're just as crooked as Durkin, Buckley. You can't talk to me like that. No, we know all about you. Durkin runs the Devil's Dipper only because he bribed you to overlook its flimsy construction. You need proof for that, Reed, not talk. Perhaps we should add a slander suit to this one for libel. Do you deny what you know is true? Your secretary needn't take notes, Reed. I'll do all my talking in court when you answer that summons. Boss, let me take this summons. Here, Miss Case, file it. In the wastebasket. With pleasure. Why, as for you, Buckley, open that door, Lowry. Here, what are you... Let go of me. Toss him out, boss. We're giving you the same treatment your summons got, only instead of the wastebasket. You can't. Outside. Don't show your face around here again, or you'll get the sand treatment. What a he! I'll sue you for assault and battery, Reed. You can't get away with this. Go ahead, try it. Only remember, the Daily Sentinel's going to keep after your rotten racket, libel suit or no libel suit. That evening, after Britt Reed arrived at his apartment, he described the situation to Cato, his valet and the only living man to know him as the Green Hornet. Well, that's the story, Cato. The witnesses refuse to repeat their evidence. They've been intimidated, threatened. I understand. The Daily Sentinel's being sued for libel. They have no defense. Cato, it's up to us to make sure this crookedness is settled once and for all. Yes, sir. Lowry told me about one of those witnesses, a man named Thomas. He's an attendant at the Devil's Dipper. His job is to inspect the roller coaster after closing time each night. Will you talk? If we get one to repeat his statement, the others will follow. Get the mask and gun, Cato. We'll take the black beauty. Tonight, Thomas is going to meet the Green Hornet. Thomas? Hey, Thomas! Yes? What do you want, Stanley? Turn off the music. We're closing up the double zipper for the night. Yeah. Not a bad take tonight, huh, Duncan? All right, considering how the Sentinel's been talking up that accident. <laughs> we'll split plenty from that libel suit. Okay, Scanlon. All fixed. Except I gotta make my tour of inspection. Don't bother us with details, Thomas. Go ahead and do your inspecting. Yeah, make it snappy, Thomas. 
Me and Durkin will be waiting over in the shack next to the entrance. I'm going. Uh, Thomas. Yeah? Just a word of warning. Remember what we told you about any squealing. We took care of that statement you signed for that Sentinel report. And we got them back, all of them, yours included. And when that libel suit comes up, you keep your lip button about the accident, you understand? I ain't gonna talk. You better not. You know what'll happen if you do. I told you once I wouldn't talk no more. I ain't done enough. Hey, look over there. What? One of the roller coaster cars is starting up the slope. Huh? Well, get after it, Thomas. It must have caught on the cable. It's empty. How could it catch? It did, that's all. Go over and get it and snap it up. I can't figure it. Just the cable control must have slipped and pulled the empty car up the grade. Ah, this whole devil's dipper ought to be junked. Condemned. Rotten equipment all over. Where's that cable lever? Shut off. Guess I'll leave that car there till morning. No use. You'll be with it, Thomas. Huh? Who's that? Don't you know this place closes? I'm a special visitor, Thomas. Hey, you're masked. You're you're the Green Hornet. Right. What are you doing here? I came to see you. Me? For what? You gave a statement to the papers about the accident. They ain't got it now. You might repeat it, Thomas. Not me. I'm doing like Durkin and Scanlon told me to. I'm keeping my mouth shut. Perhaps they don't believe that. Huh? Perhaps Durkin and Scanlon are still afraid you'll talk. Listen, Hornet. As long as you're alive, you're a danger. Durkin and Scanlon wouldn't do nothing like that. How do you know they don't plan to put you out of the way? I... They said they'd pay me plenty for keeping quiet. You trust them, huh? I got it. Suppose I tell you they've no intention of paying. Uh, you just Suppose they want all that money from the libel suit for themselves. They're the kind of guys to do a stunt like that, all right, but... Look here, Hornet. What's your stake in this? Sign this and I'll tell you. What's that? Look at it. Okay, okay. Easy with the gun. I'll look. Hey, this is about the accident. It's a duplicate of the statement you signed. Yeah, I thought they burned it. Not before I got a copy. Sign it. What? Do you think you can trust Durkin and Scanlon? What's that got to do with signing this? When they know the Green Hornet has your signed statement, what'll happen then? You mean they won't take a chance on doing nothing to me? Exactly. You're safe as long as someone has your statement. Yes, but Besides, I... they'd pay plenty to get it back from the Green Hornet. Say, I never figured that. You're right. You're a smart guy. Sign it. Sure, pal. You and me, huh? We'll blackmail him for a load of dough. <laughs> yeah, that'll teach them guys to threaten me. Here's a pen. Okay. You're on the level, Hornet. You'll split with me. Whatever I get from Durkin and Scanlon, you'll get your share. That's enough for me. There you are. We thought you couldn't be trusted, Thomas. Huh? So you would double-cross us. What the... So that's it. You was testing me. You're in with Scanlon and Durkin. You were warned to keep your mouth shut. Carry it up. Tear up that statement. I won't talk, I swear it's it. It's too late. Don't do it, Hornet. Don't. Take it. I can't breathe. You're in with... Gave him the gas? I have his statement, but it's not enough. He'd say it was signed under threat of force. But now he believes Durkin and Scanlon tried to finish him. Yes, sir. We're making sure he doesn't change his mind. Here, take his feet. Yes, sir. I have them. I got his arms. When he recovers from the effects of the gas, he'll be high up on the Devil's Dipper in that roller coaster car that's stalled up above. What for? After we leave him there, I'm going to phone the police. Then we'll take care of Durkin and Scanlon. Cato carried the unconscious form up the narrow catwalk high above the ground. They deposited Thomas's limp body in the stalled car. Leaving Cato on guard, Britt Reed descended and went to the nearest phone, first removing his green hornet mask. Police department? I'm calling from the amusement park. There's something wrong at the Devil's Dipper. Yes, that's right, the Devil's Dipper. Better get over in a hurry. <laughs> Thank you.
was thinking, Durkin. What's happened to Thomas? He's been gone a long time. Hey, how's it that? Maybe that car gave him a little more trouble than he figured. Yeah, maybe so. Still, I don't trust that guy. Well, he's not going to talk. He knows what'll happen. Why well, take chances? No sense in letting him out of our sight this late in the game. We already burned that statement he gave to the Sentinel. Well, he can make another one, can he? Mm. Come on. Perhaps you're right. We'll soon see if he's around or not. Well, there's the car. Yeah, it's still up there. Stalled halfway up to the top of the first rise. Oh, that's funny. Look, Duncan. There's someone up there. See, he's standing up in the car. He's outlined against the sky. Must be Tom. another one. Right beside him. See, a little guy. It looks like he's holding a gun on Thomas. You're seeing things, Scanlon. It's too dark to tell for sure. We're going to make sure. Here's the tracks going up. We'll climb up this catwalk. Yes, hurry. Single file. That way's too slow. Get in this car, both of you. Mass. The green phone. Get in this roller coaster. Bob, Bob, you'll get a shot again. Okay, we're going to That's better. I'll go with you. The cable will carry us up. Now listen, Hornet, what's the idea? We ain't done nothing to you. The roller coaster up ahead, it's moving too. Of course it is. The same cable that lifts this one to the top of the first rise works that one as well. See, it's going over the top now. Hey, one guy got out. He's standing at the top. That ain't Thomas. Thomas is still in that roller coaster. He's getting a free ride along the whole length of your devil's dipper. Hey, what are you doing? There you are. You're jamming the brakes. We won't be able to stop. Exactly. Once we reach the top of this first incline, this car will follow Thomas's. His brakes are jammed, too. You can't do that. What's the idea? Just making sure neither you nor Thomas will be able to get out before you reach the end of the devil's dipper. What are you doing, playing games? Yes, if you must know. Huh? Exactly that, Durkin. You and Scanlon have been playing a game with the public long enough, you and your infernal devil's dipper. Now I'm taking a hand in it. There's the top, and here's where I get off. I bet you and Thomas figured this. If you want to catch Thomas, you better hurry. He's halfway down already, so here's a little shaft up you on your way. They go very fast, Mr. Bates. Look at them, Cato. They're already over the first dip and going faster all the time. You fix the brakes on Thomas's car, as I told you? Yes, sir. Good. Neither one of them will stop until they reach the end. Thomas is certain that Scanlon and Durkin have it in for him. He kept saying that, Mr. Bates. Seeing him come after him will make him even more afraid. <laughs> you see them? They're going around that curve now with Durkin and Scanlon about 50 yards behind. Should you go now? Yes, it's high time we were on our way, Cato. But not that way. We'd walk straight into the police. How then? Down the beams. By the time the police get things straightened out, the Green Hornet will be miles away. Here's the Devil's Dipper. I don't see nothing wrong. This is utterly ridiculous, getting me down to a deserted roller coaster this time of night. Listen, Buckley, didn't a call come into the police saying something was wrong here? And aren't you the safety inspector for the amusement park? Well? Then this is where you ought to be. Sergeant, there's nothing wrong here. Looks like a false alarm right now. Yeah, look at that. I don't see nothing. Where, Lowry? Up on the roller coaster. Two cars coming around that last curve. Hey, you're right. They'll be at this platform any minute. This is childish. Who'll be riding at this hour? Here comes the first, baby. Let's ask. You, Thomas, what goes on? Who's after you? Duncan and Scanlon. Let me out of this car. Hold it. Put that sticking out of your pocket. I ain't got nothing. This paper. Hand that over, Lowry. We're running this, not you. Oh, wait a minute. Let me read it. This fuss is ridiculous. Yeah? You know what the statement is? I neither know nor care. This is a signed statement about the accident. Impossible. Those statements were... Huh? That is, I, I mean... Go on, say it. They were swiped from the Daily Sentinel. That's what you were going to say. That's right, Buckley. Nobody knew about those statements. How did you? He's in with Durkin and Scanlon. I'll talk plenty. Nobody's put me on the spot. I haven't time for this spot. I'm leaving. You're staying here, Buckley. Here comes your pal. We'll take them in, too. Up 
on the platform. Make it snap it. Cops! What's the idea? Move! You're all washed up, Durkin. You and your pals. We have Thomas a signed statement right here. What statement? The one I signed. You ain't putting me on the spot. He's crazy. It was the Green Hornet. Sure, the Green Hornet's working with you. The Hornet? Is he in on this? That's what I'm telling you. These guys sent him to get me. Only he slipped up. I'm spilling the whole work. Why? No, no rough stuff, you. Listen, officer. I had nothing to do with it. I'll tell you the whole story. He's as guilty as we are. We have the goods in all of you. You're going behind bars. If I could lay my hands on a green hornet, he'd be there with you. You can't have everything, Sarge. Sure, he got away. But the roller coaster is finished, and so is that libel suit. Boy, I'll bet the boss will be tickled when he finds this out. Tune for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly and the show that was first aired way back in 1939. The Johnson Wax Program. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Company with Jim Jordan as Fibber, Donald Novis, The Four Notes, our special guest, Zazu Pitt, and Billy Mills Orchestra. Our 200th show opens with You Do Something to Me. streams through the windows these early spring days, it reminds us that our floors and linoleum need extra attention. Fortunately, it's the easiest thing in the world to make floors sparkle and gleam like new with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. This remarkable liquid polish goes on in a jiffy, dries in 20 minutes to a grand polish, and requires no rubbing or buffing. Right now, while you're thinking about spring cleaning, you'll be glad to know that there's a special sale of Johnson's wax and Johnson's self-polishing glow coat in giant-sized cans, which gives you one-third more for your money. A pint and one-third, or a pound and one-third, for the price of only a pint or a pound. Now, the supply of these giant-sized cans is strictly limited, so it will pay you to buy both Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat while they're on sale at a bargain price. Wistful Vista's mail carriers is vacationing this week, and who do you suppose is taking his place? Yes. And here, coming down the street, 
bent double by the weight of a big leather bag, we find not Santa Claus, not the junk dealer, not the Sandman, but Fibber, have you written to your mother, McGee? Boy, is this bag heavy. What this country needs is more illiterate people. Good morning, mailman. Have you a letter for me? What's your name, sis? You'll find it on the letter. Oh. Yeah, there was one, but I left it several doors down the street. What number? You'll find it on the house. Thank you. See now, number 726 Oak Street. Mailman. Oh, hey, good morning. I'm sorry, bud. There's nothing for you folks today. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Postcard from Palm Springs to Mr. Joe Frizzle. Says, have lovely room at hotel here. Next door to cute honeymoon couple. Having fine time, wish you could hear. <laughs> What's this one here? Oh, yes. Here's a letter for Angus McTavish at 923. <whistles> Mr. McTavish, here's a letter for you. Thank you, laddie. Hey, hold on. There's one cent postage due on that. What? Only one cent? Glory be, my brother Jock got his raise. Thank you, laddie. <laughs> Good for brother Jock. Two more raises and he can send one special delivery. Oh, hello, Billy. Hello, Fibber. Say, is this really your 200th show for Johnson's Wax? Yes, it is, Billy. And when you stop to think of it, 200 broadcasts means an awful lot of jokes. That's what somebody said to me this morning. What'd they say, William? They said, my, that's a lot of awful jokes, isn't it? <laughs> that ain't what I... What's Don Novus going to sing, Bill? Heaven can wait. Incidentally, how do you like carrying mail? Well, it ain't heaven on the feet, if you know what I mean. <laughs> my right foot is almost numb, and my left foot... Dad read it, there goes my other arch. <laughs> you have Don sing, Billy, while I take this mailbag off and rest myself. Oh, wait a minute. There's a postcard for you from Austria. Must be from my old music teacher in Vienna. No, I read it, and it's from a guy named Wolfgang Mozart. He wants you to play his number, the magic flute. Mozart? Why, he died in 1791. Hmm. Well, I suspected as much. I found this card in the dead letter office. <laughs> Now, go ahead, Billy. Boys, tune up your harps for Heaven Can Wait. Take it, Donald. Heaven can wait. This is paradise just being here with you. And breathing the air you do. Heaven can wait. Gazing at all your charms It's heavenly in your arms Heaven can wait You must be an angel On a visit from the skies Now I look at heaven When I look into your eyes Heaven can wait, this is paradise, loving the way we do, until I go there with you, heaven can wait. 
This is paradise loving the way we do Until I go there with you Heaven can wait. Folks, that was Heaven Can Wait, sung by Donald Novus, one of our angels with dirty faces. <laughs> Don, please accept my heartfelt thanks for that beautiful number. I get paid too, don't I? Oh, yes. <laughs> but if heaven can wait, who are you? <laughs> and another thing, that wasn't a very nice thing to say about me, having a dirty face. My face isn't dirty. Hmm. Well, let's see your neck and ears. Well, folks, I was wrong. <laughs> he ain't an angel with a dirty face. He's a nice, clean little devil. <laughs> what you got there, Don? Oh, I almost forgot. It's a telegram for you. Oh, well, let's see who it's from. Okay, bud. Oh, well, listen to this, fellas. It's from Jack Benny. It says, Dear Fibber, stop. Understand this is your 200th broadcast for Johnson's Wax. Stop. <laughs> I wonder why he didn't finish it. He did. Oh, oh, trying to get my goat, huh? <laughs> Just for that, I'll send Fred Allen a fan letter. <laughs> Well, I got to get going with this mail. So long, Don. So long, postcard, Papa. <laughs> Fine spirit around here for a big anniversary show. You'd think they'd be more complimentary to... Hey there, mailman. Mailman. Hey, letter carrier. <laughs> What's on your mind, bud? Are you delivering any eyes and... Any eyes and... Eyes and any eyes and... Any window envelopes? <laughs> Window envelopes? Why, sure, this bag is full of them. Why? Well, would you mind if I sneak a little look, a little look, if I sneak a little if I looked at some of them? I'm sorry, bud. That's against the postal regulations. You can't read anybody else's mail. Well, uh, okay. Thanks just the same. Thanks just the same. Thanks just the same. The same. Much obliged, anyway. Hey, wait a minute. What's the idea of wanting to look at the window envelopes? Oh, I'm just a guy who likes... Just a fellow who likes... Who I'm a peeping Tom. <laughs> peeping Tom. He's a jerking Joseph. <laughs> See, now, I better sort out the rest of the mail for this block. Here's a letter for Harpo Wilcox. wonder where he lives. Oh, well, just to save time, folks, he lives right here. <clears throat> Good morning, mailman. Oh, is that you, Fibber? Oh, quit acting, Wilcox. You made the opening announcement. You know darn well it's me. <laughs> all right, all right. I was just endeavoring to establish a certain dramatic verisimilitude. Well, if you... You what? <laughs> I was endeavoring to establish a certain dramatic verisimilitude. Harpo, it's guys like you that make censorship necessary. <laughs> you know how some people are. If they can't understand something, it can't be decent. Here, here's a letter for you. Thanks. Well, say, isn't this a nice letter? I don't know. I didn't read it. The paper was too thick, <laughs> even when I held it up to the sun. <laughs> listen, listen, it says, my dear nephew. It's from my aunt. You don't say. Well, who else would you call my dear nephew? Well, my uncle would. Oh, yeah. Well, go on ahead. All right, all right. It says, my dear... <laughs> my dear nephew. My dear nephew. Congratulations on your 200th broadcast for Johnson's Wax. You've done a wonderful job. 
I listen every Tuesday night to Harlow, Wilcox, and Company and enjoy it very much. I'll enjoy it more, however, when I get my radio repaired so I won't be getting a smart aleck named McGrew or something at the same time you're on the air. Keep up the good work, nephew. Smart aleck named McGrew. Harlow, Wilcox, and Company. Well, what else does she say, dear nephew? I'm afraid. Oh, not much more. She says, I took your advice and bought some of the Johnson products in the special giant size cans with the extra third free while there are still some left. Your uncle and I are so pleased with your work that we're remembering you in our will. Well. Which do you want, the red heifer or the buggy with the fringe on the top? <laughs> your loving Aunt Teresa Titwillow, Box 47, Birdcage, Arkansas. <laughs> ah, good old Aunt Teresa. <laughs> well, which are you going to take, Harpo, the heifer or the buggy? Well, I don't know. It's a pretty sporty buggy. It's got red wheels. Yeah, but the heifer's got two horns. <laughs> Well, I gotta be going, Harpo. Okay, so long, pal. My dear nephew. Poof. Ain't enough. I gotta have pains in my arches. I gotta have ants in my mailbag. <laughs> well, let's see now. Who's next? Oh, gotta... how do you do, Mr. McGee? You're so nice to see you. Oh, hi, Mrs. Uppington. Here's a letter for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. McGee. Tell me, don't you feel a beautiful surge of patriotism wearing the gray uniform of our brave mail carrier? <laughs> Yeah, but I had a tough time with my Easter deliveries. At the end of the day, I had six more rabbits than I started out with. <laughs> they must have declared a dividend. <laughs> Say, I seen you leading them society people in the Easter parade, Uppy. Oh, yes, yes, and such fun, too, really. Oh, right, eh? And Horatio looked simply devastating in his cutaway coat and silk cap. Yeah. <laughs> I told him he looked just like a banker. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did to me, too. Like a banker in a two-bit poker game. <laughs> you looked real handsome, all bundled up in that new fur coat, Uppy. Oh, Mr. McGee. In fact, the guy standing next to me says you looked like a cute little rabbit. Oh, he didn't, not really. <laughs> well, them wasn't his exact words. What, what he actually says was, uh, who's the dumb bunny up in front? <laughs> no offense, of course. Oh, you got to be going, Uppy? Uh, yes, yes, I have to go, Miss McGee. You see, I'm attending a luncheon with the girls I used to know in finishing school. Oh, oh and I'm so afraid they're going to twit me about the time I pinned Francis X. Bushman's picture to my dressing table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess I was just a silly, brazen girl in those days. <laughs> well, goodbye. Goodbye, Miss McGee. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet she played All-American STEM on the daisy chain, too. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see now. Telegram for Fibber McGee. Telegram. Are you sign here, please? Oh, thanks, bud. I'd give you a tip, but I ain't got anything smaller than a dime. Well, you better save that so if it rains, you can crawl under it. Mm. <laughs> Fresh kid. Wonder who this one's from. Well, from Bob Hope. Hope you have successful 200th broadcast for Johnson's Wax. Hope we continue to follow you on the same network, same evening, with our marvelous show starring Bob Hope and expensive guest stars. Stop. Hope you are reading this out loud. Stop. Hope. <laughs> what does he mean, expensive guest stars? I suppose he thinks Zazu Pitts just works here to pay off an old gambling debt or something. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, I got a letter for her. somebody home. I seen the window curtain wiggle. Maybe she thinks I'm a peddler. Hey, inside there. 
You want any mail? Oh, I certainly do. Any mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our old friend Daisy Pitts again. Hi, sis. Oh, hello, mister. Won't you come in and have a cup of tea and a piece of cake or just a cup of tea or won't you just come in? <laughs> no, thanks, sis. I just wanted to give you these three letters. Oh, dear me. Three letters. And from the Orange Blossom Matrimonial Bureau, too. Matrimonial Bureau? Well, why don't you open your letters and see if Cupid didn't dig a dart into some ding-dong daddy? Wow. All right, I will. But I don't believe it's any use. I just got a feeling I'm going to fall for some wolf in sheep's clothing with his smooth ways and city talk. And it's a wonderful feeling. <laughs> Excuse me while I read my mail, mister. What's that one say? He says the photograph I sent him looks just like Hedy Lamar. Oh, he did, eh? Gee, that, that's kind of flattering. <laughs> he certainly knows women. No, he doesn't. It was really a picture of Gail Patrick. <laughs> Somehow I don't seem to take a good glamorous picture, mister. I had some taken once with real soft focus, you know, behind a gauze screen and all. Uh -huh. And some man asked me for 12 dozen of them. 12 dozen? <laughs> he must have been running a temperature. No, he was running a shooting gallery. <laughs> he wanted them for targets. Uh, let's see this next letter. Oh, dear. What's that one? It's from a man who saw my advertisement. He says he thinks I'm just the girl for him if I have $10,000 in the bank and can handle a gang plow. <laughs> a gigolo in gum boots. Well, try the next one, sis. All right, but I just know it's no use. I've been throwing myself at men so long I feel like an adagio dancer. Uh-oh. That guy enclosed a railroad ticket. Where's the ticket to, sis? Poison Gulch, Texas. It's from a cowboy. Oh. He says if I marry him, he'll give me a half interest in a Mexican saddle, a rattlesnake necklace, and a guitar. Mister, I'm engaged. Well, congratulations, sis. May all your little doggies get along. Oh, thank you, mister. Dear me, I'm so flustered. I, I hardly know what to do. I guess I better go up in the attic and see if I can find that old army cot. Army cot? Ain't that saddle bum got any bunks in his ranch house? Oh, I wasn't thinking of that. It was the trip out there. That railroad ticket he sent me is only good in a cattle car. Yippee! I'm a bride! <laughs> It's your turn to cry over me. Every road has a turning. That's one thing you're learning. I cried for you. What a fool I used to be. Oh, I found, found two eyes just a little bit bluer. I found a heart a little bit truer. I cried for you. Now it's your turn to cry over me. Why, that's the reason I remember other days. How I used to weep over things you said to me. I couldn't even sleep. You forgot your promises, every single vow. All you did was laugh at me. Things are different now. I cried for you, what a fool, fool 
for you. And a nice, cheerful little earful it was, too, Kit. Well, I got to deliver the rest of this mail if I ever expect... Hmm. Talk about your grammatic verisimiliated. Here I am out in the street and the phone rings. Oh, well. I'll answer it anyway. Hello? I'd like to speak to Mr. McGee, please. Are you he? Yes, I is he, sis. What is it? Telegraph officer. I've been requested to sing a telegram to you. Oh, one of them singing telegrams. Okay, Flagstad. Give out. Are you ready? Yes. Hey, wait a minute. Who's it from? The Eddie Cantor Fan Club. Oh. Okay, well, go ahead. Oh, here's to your 200th show, 200 weeks of banter. We thought before, but now we know that we want Cantor. We want Cantor. That is all, sir. (laughs) So, they want Cantor, do they? Oh, well. He's just a banjo-eyed tobacco auctioneer. <laughs> oh, here's a letter for old Boomer, and here's his boarding house. Hi, Boomer. Here's a letter for you. Thank you, my boy. Thank you. Wonder if it's important. Wait till I see what it is. Well, well, a round robin. <laughs> Thank you, my young friend. And how is it that a prominent citizen of your eminence finds himself in a mailman's uniform? Seems hardly fitting, particularly around the prominence and the eminence. (laughs) Never mind my uniform, Boomer. Just tell Mrs. Uppington that I got a registered letter I forgot to give her. Just give it to me, stamp pad, and I'll take care of it. Certainly will. Take care of it like it was my very own. Why should I give her valuable mail to you? You'd have it steamed open in five minutes. Oh, is that so? Five minutes, eh? You hold an exalted view of the hot water situation in this boarding house, small fry. <laughs> ah, but never hesitate to give me Madame Uppington's mail. I hold the dear girl's power of attorney, you know. I don't believe it. Let's see it. Oh, well, why, certainly. Power of attorney. Power of attorney. Have it right here someplace. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, oh, here's a sack of gold nuggets given to me for safekeeping by an old prospector up in Alaska. A sweet roll from a sourdough. <laughs> yes, postcard from an old pal of mine. Says he's just taken up geology, studying rocks at Atlanta. <laughs> Come on, Boomer, the power of attorney, if any. Oh, yes, yes, the power of attorney. Have it right here. Here's my bank statement for March. Looks like the census report for a midget village. <laughs> All small figures. What's this? A newspaper clipping about a robbery in Memphis. Spelled my name wrong, too, Dratum. <laughs> ah, old pirate map. Oh, no, that's a picture of my father. <laughs> and a short beer. Well, well, imagine that. No power of attorney. <laughs> I could have told you that before you started looking. Well, I got to deliver this mail. So long, Boomer. Have to be going myself. Have to see a friend who was hurt in an accident. He was standing in front of a safe the other night, and it blew open. <laughs> 
That must have had a draft in it. Well, good day, Baghdad. That guy's so crooked, he's got corrugated iron in his blood. Well, one more letter to deliver to old-timers, and then I'm through. Here we are. Sounds like the old duffer's throwing a wing-ding in there. Hello there, Johnny. Come to join the fracas? No, thanks, old-timer. Just brung you this letter. It's my last delivery. Hey! I says I brung you a letter. Here, it was sent on from your last address. It says on it, forward party has moved, and yours forward a party as I know. <laughs> yeah. Johnny, but that ain't the way I heard it. <laughs> the way I heard it, one feller says to the other feller, he says, I see where Joe Lewis is fighting a guy named Rupert. That ain't the Secretary of Commerce, is it? Nope, says t'other feller, that's a different Roper. Well, says the first feller, don't make any difference in the result if it's the same Lewis. <laughs> The difference between wrestling and prize fight promoters, Johnny, is one buys a pig and a poke, and the other one buys the poke and a pug. <laughs> Listen, old-timer, I'm getting tired of all this that-ain't-the-way-I-heard-it stuff. Shucks. No matter what the time or place, you always meet some smarty-face who knows what score is made before the game is played. He knows the inside-inside-out and what the world is all about. There's always one around, and here's the way you sound. California has no reins. You can't tip porters on the trains. This program takes a lot of brains. That ain't the way I heard it. That old buddy, Daddy. Burglars dearly love a cop. A kid just hates a lollipop. Hell's a poppin' is a flop. That's certainly not the way I heard it. <laughs> How did you hear it, Mrs. Uppington? Social leaders hate to be objects of publicity from all photographers we please. But that ain't the way I heard it. <laughs> Sweet and low, Donald. Billy Mills, our maestro, wrote this little ditty, note for note. He thinks he'll get Cole Porter's goat. That's not the way I'm hearing it. Have the Greeks got a word for it, Nick? Sure, a wrestling man just hates to grunt. No Greek will run a restaurant. Cursing never saw the front. But that ain't the way I <laughs> heard it. There's a catch in this one, folks. The world is full of <laughs> and such from folks who <laughs> and <laughs> too much. But nary a drop will I <laughs> touch. But that ain't the way I heard it. The way I heard it. I'm known, I guess, from coast to coast as one who'll never brag nor boast. Of modest guys, I am the most. But that ain't the way I hear it. That ain't the way I hear it. So, you see, old-timer, for 200 weeks of this Johnson's Wax show, I've been standing for your That Ain't the Way I Heard It. But during our next 200 broadcasts... Your what, Johnny? Our next 200 shows for Johnson's Wax. <laughs> well, what's so funny? Oh, oh nothing. <laughs> but as I said before, Johnny... That ain't the way I...
to thank Zazu Pitts for helping us celebrate our 200th Johnson broadcast. Our 201st show next week is something pretty special, too, because, well, starting next Tuesday, it's Fibber McGee and Molly again. Good night, folks. Speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glowcoat, Racine, Wisconsin, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Lives of Harry Lyme, followed by Burns and Allen. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.